Thank you for listening to this audio recording produced by Truth Point Church in West Palm Beach. We exist to point people to the truth of the gospel. Good morning to those of you here and to those of you online. And those of you online, you are not unnoticed. We see you. We are thankful for you. And uh, my name is Robbie, and I'm the youth director here and one of the deacons as well. But more importantly, I, as, uh, as Martin Luther said a long time ago, I am just one beggar who is helping to point more beggars to where the bread is at. That's, that's who I am. I am a beggar amidst us all, beggars to God. And I hope as we open God's word today together, I pray that you would be stuffed with a feast before Thanksgiving. So, uh, as I look out at your faces, at, at all of you, I, I, I wonder what you came in here with, what what affliction, if there's any affliction, if there's any hardship, if there's any challenge or trial, what, what brokenness that you have walked in here with. And I pray that, that you would experience the comfort of God, that as you hear this word preached, as, you, as we open up this word together, as we see it, taste it, I pray that you would be comforted by God's word today. And so if, if, you're, if you've entered here sort of at the depths, right, sort of at the depths of despair, I pray that you'd be taken to the heights of hope today, that you would leave here truly with a feast for your soul, that you would be able to walk away fed. Now, there's, there may be others who perhaps are at the height of themselves, right, and may, may need to be brought down brought down low, and uh, as one great preacher of old said, he, uh, in his mind, there was, there was two goals with the word of God being preached. It was to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So that's what I hope happens today as we open the word of God, and we're going to be going down two roads today, okay? We're going to be going down two roads, and if I preach this text as it's meant to be understood, I, I really have to warn you. Uh, this first road, this first road is, is no stroll through Jonathan Dickinson State Park, okay? Uh, this first road, this first point for the note takers is the tragedy of mankind, okay? The tragedy of mankind. We are really going to go into a dungeon, so to speak, in this first point. It is, it is dark and it is, it is terrifying uh, if I actually preach, I think, what's there. So, the tragedy of mankind is our first point, but uh, the second point is the rescue of God, okay? The second point is the rescue of God. So we're going to be going down two polar opposite roads. This is the text in the Bible where we're taken down into the depths of the dungeons, right? But then we're taken to the heights of hope in, in this passage. And so if, if you track with me today... If you stay with me, we're going to be going to the lowest dungeons and then to the highest peaks. So that's where we're going. That's the two places we're going. So 
Open your Bibles with me to Ephesians 2 and verses 1 through 10. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10. And for those of you online, go get your Bibles, please, and open them up to Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And I'm going to pray, and then we'll read the text. Uh, Jesus, we are only here because you made a way. We did not make a way. You made a way. And we pray, God, that as we open this word, that it would penetrate our hearts and minds, that you would both comfort and that you would afflict, um, that you would lift us up, that you'd bring us down, um, that you would convict us and send us out of here fed, Lord, with your word. Um, illuminate this text to us. Apart from you, we, are, we have nothing. So please help us. We pray you would as we read this, this word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. And you were dead. Well, that's one way to start a sermon. I suppose, welcome to church. So, if you've, uh, if you've been with us for some time, you'll, you'll know Ephesians uh, fairly well. So, in terms of the kind of the whole picture. So, Ephesians 1 through 3. Uh, there is but one command. This is really interesting. Ephesians 1 through 3, there's one command. And then Ephesians 4 through 6, there's some 60 plus commands. It's, it's very interesting. And so um, uh, the, the film American Gospel actually did a really good job of kind of like summarizing it in two words. Ephesians 1 through 3 is done. Here is what God has done for you. And then Ephesians 4 through 6 is do, Okay. Because of this done, because of this, uh, what God has done, Ephesians 1 through 3, now go, now, now, now do. And so that one command, though, what is, what is that one command in Ephesians 1 through 3? And it's really interesting. If you, if you take a look at um, chapter 2, verse 12, 
Okay, here, here's the command. You can just listen, listen or, or, or look there in your Bibles. It's just a little bit down. Remember, so the command is to remember. This is the command, to remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. All right, so the command is to remember and if you summarize, I, like you could summarize this command in four words. It's to remember you were dead. That's what he's telling us to remember. And as I've been looking at this passage, it's just interesting that you're actually commanded to remember something that is very tragic. Like, doesn't that seem kind of odd? I don't know if, if you're anything like me that seems like, okay, so why, why do I have to take my mind there? Why do I have to go there to remember that I had no hope and I was without God. Why, why should I do that? And um, the answer is really because we will never, you will never be thankful for what you've brought into unless you really understand what you've been brought out of, okay? We'll never be thankful for what we've been brought into unless we really understand what we've been brought out of and from. And so Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it really does a good job of describing this, um, what it means to be without hope and what it means to be without God. Uh, that's Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3. So uh, it's interesting because there's this reality that if we, like I said before, if we don't know this tragedy of mankind, this first point we're going to talk about, this tragedy of mankind, it's interesting because you'll never taste the heights of God's love. Like, if you don't dive deep into the tragedy, you'll never rise to the heights of God's love. And there's, there's too many Christians, I, I, I think, in our day and age that they don't want to talk about sin. They don't, we don't want to talk about God's wrath, right? But the problem is that if we only want to talk about God's love, we're, we're going to stay in the shallow kiddie pool of God's, of God's love. Like, if we don't talk about the, the, the wrath, we're never going to swim in the ocean of God's love. We're never going to see it and taste it for what it really is, okay? So you actually damage and hinder your depth of God's love if you don't go to the depths of this sin and this, this tragedy, this wrath. So, and it's, what, it's what's there in the text when we read it. So uh, let's walk down this road. Let's go to the dungeon a, a bit here. And as we enter into the dungeon, the first sign we read is, you were dead in sin. There it is. Right there in the text, we're dead. Um, my friends, we are not, we're not born into this world. I've heard some people describe us as we're like drowning in a lake, right? Um, no, <laughs> we're dead at the bottom of it. That's, that's the reality. We are dead at the bottom of of the lake following, following the trifold enemies of God. Like, what do I mean by that? The trifold enemies of God. If you look in this passage, you see that we are following the world, like the course of this world, the devil, the prince of the power of the air, and then we're following our own selves. So it's what it says right here. These sins, you walked in them, following the world, following this course of this world, this merry-go-round of death, right? The course of this world, carrying out the desires of our sinful nature in body 
and mind. Now, it can be hard to kind of get a picture of what, like, what does that look like, really? I'm dead in sin, following the course of this world. Uh, follow, like, this is bad. Following uh, the prince of the power of the air, the devil. So, so what does this look like? I want to give you a picture of what this looks like. And I couldn't help but think about, if you, if you know me a little bit, uh, uh, you'll know what's coming. So uh, there's this, this, the greatest film of all time right? The, the greatest film of all time captures this very well, and it's The Lord of the Rings. So, yes, yes. So, The Lord of the Rings. And as I was thinking about this dead reality that we face, I couldn't help but think about Shelob's lair. Now, if you've seen the film, you know that there's Frodo, right? There he is, going through the cave, going through Shelob's lair, this dark, miserable, wretched cave of death. It's horrible in there. And there's this great spider who he's trying to, he's trying to get through the cave to take the ring to Mount Doom to destroy it and um, destroy evil from the world. But he has to get through this cave. And he gets through it and he finally comes out on the other side and he thinks he's scot-free and he's good and he continues to walk. And then if you've seen the film and you've had way too much time to see it, so I'm sorry. I'm just sharing the scenes. So he, uh, he's walking out, and it looks like things are fine, and then he stops, and he looks, and he kind of senses something, and then, boom, Shelob sticks him in the gut, like an intense stick straight in his gut, and he's stung by this great spider, and then what happens? His face goes pale and numb. He falls to the ground, pale, lifeless, cold, dead, and he's wrapped in the web of Shelob, and he's just laying there, and there's like nothing. He, there's no hope, as if he was dead. Friends, that's, that's what we look like spiritually as we are born into this world. We have the sting of Adam, right? We are born with the sting of Adam, and Adam's sin spread to all mankind, okay? Every human being, we are, we are born spiritually helpless, uh, lifeless, ruined, and wretched. And the problem, though, is, is our sting wouldn't just wear off with time, right? Frodo's sting would wear off, would wear off with time, but this is, this is the, the reality of, of humanity. This is the tragedy of mankind that we have the sting of Adam. And so for those of you who haven't seen Lord of the Rings, just a, another quick illustration that kind of captures this. Last week, my wife and I were leaving church, and um, she gets to the car a little bit before me, and I see her kind of looking out the window um, at me, and, and I can tell there's an issue, there's a problem, and so I get in the car, and sure enough, the battery is dead. I had left the lights on all service out there, and I get into the car, turn it, try to turn it on, and it's dead. And so me, being the uh, smart young man that I am, I... Uh, what did I do? I get in the car, and uh, she tells me it's dead, and I just, I just tried to start it again, and again, and again, and like a fourth time, I'm just trying to see if this dead battery is going to do anything, and uh, she looks at me, and she goes, what are you, what, what are you, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> and I, I was like, I don't know. Uh, and so she said, well, go, go get some help. Go get some help before like, everyone leaves, and we're just stranded here. So that's what that's, and so I get out and I'm, I'm going to get help. But what did, what did she realize? So my wife realized that in 
the car itself. There was no life in it. It had no power <clears throat> on its own to, to come to life. It needed action from the outside. Okay, it needed action from the outside. So that, that's what we need. We need <clears throat> this action from the outside. Um, hey, there's a water bottle over there. Can, sorry, I'm like, <laughs> can't talk. Thanks, appreciate it. Um, so yeah, we need, we need this action from the outside. Okay. And so we get that. So we got this, this deadness that we're facing. And so as we continue down this dungeon, uh, I want to put the, so the second sign we see, like as we walk down to the next, uh, the next sign in the dungeon, uh, I want to take this term dead in sin and put the positive sense of the wording on that phrase. So dead in sin. What is that? What's the positive sense of that wording? So here it is. To be dead in sin is to be totally and only alive to sin. To be dead in sin is to be totally and only alive to sin. Like, my, my friends, we're not just a little sinful when we come into this world. We are only sinful. We are only sinful. But why, why is that? How could, how could we say that that's the case? Well, it's because of one thing. We did not, we do not have faith. That's the problem. We don't have faith when we come into this world. So we've been, we've been looking, Pastor Tim and others have been taking us through Hebrews 11, right? And what's interesting about Hebrews 11, this hall of faith, is that every single person in Hebrews 11, you see there's something and then there's this action. Something and then the action of the person. What is it? By faith, Moses did this. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, so-and-so did this. By faith. And it's every single one of them in the entire Hebrews 11. By faith, boom. By faith, boom. By faith, boom. And that's, that's what we need. And so, uh, just teasing this out a little bit, this reality of our sinful condition, like we see in Scripture, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then here's another verse in the Bible that really, uh, it, it flipped my world upside down. When I heard John Piper giving a sermon on this, and he shared this, I was like, whoa, hold on a second. So here's what he said. Uh, well, here's what Scripture said, Romans 14, 23. It says that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Whatever does not proceed, come out of faith, is sin. And I thought for a second, whoa. So wait a second. I don't have faith. I'm the dead car battery. And um, like I have, in order to please God, I need to have that faith. I need to have that life to move, right? And so whatever does not come out of faith is sin. And so that really helped me to see sin for what it really was. And I just, I wonder if I, um, like if I were to ask, uh, and if I were to ask you to define sin, what is sin? Um, what, would, what would you say? Like, what would your answer be to what is sin? And so um, the reality is sin is not just a list of things we shouldn't do. 
right? We, often, we can often think that. It's okay, it's this list of things I shouldn't do. Yes, but the essence of sin, when the Bible defines sin, it says this, all have sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of this glory of God. See, sin, the essence of sin is much deeper than just a list. It's, it's this reality of our condition, right? And, and so what do we need? We, we need a, a jump start, right? We need, uh, we need faith. And so the, my car dying last week was great. Gave a perfect, like a good, no illustration is perfect, but a good illustration of what it looks like to, um, to experience like God's power and faith. So what happened to us there last week? Sure enough, we see Aaron Knight, music director, and he comes over and what does he have? He's got a cable, right? He's got, he's got the cable for the car battery and that's sort of like the faith, right? So your faith isn't, isn't something you had at the beginning. It was, it's given to us, we read later, by God. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. And so, and we're connected to Christ, okay? We are not saved by our faith, but we are saved by the object of our faith, okay? So the battery is what gave our car life again, and, and it, it happened through that cable of faith. So God comes in the picture, and that's what he does, right? He, he gives us that, that faith, and he, he gives us that life from that battery and empowers us, right? That's sort of what it looks like. That's, that's really what is... Um, uh, what happens to us. But before we, we get to that, um, we got a couple more verses to look at here. So, And I, I don't need to like stay here long. It says, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. So that's what it tells us here in verse 3. If you look there, we lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And so, as, uh, as C.S. Lewis said before, he said we're, we're half-hearted creatures, right? Fooling about in sex and drink and ambition when, and we're just in these mud pies and when the glory of God is offered to us. But what did we do? Don't want that. Don't need it. We, we often can push against this reality of our deadness and sin. I wasn't following the devil. No, friend, we were just so deceived we didn't even know it. Like, we had no clue what was going on. We were dead. We had no idea what was happening, and we needed some outward action to happen to us. And so the reality of this deadness is we loved sin, we hated God, and we didn't live for his glory at all. Nothing we did was moving towards God and his glory. So we're, what does that lead to? Right? And now as believers, as believers, we can kind of like recollect and think back to this. And it reminds me of the hymn writer who said, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. And when this tragedy grips us, it should really bring us low. We should, we should sense this, um, what, we, what we've done and what we did and what was required of God to, to rescue us, right? So what does all this lead to? So our third sign and the final sign for this point on the tragedy of mankind is this. By nature, you are a child of wrath. By nature, I uh, was a child of wrath. And 
look, I, I, I touched on this earlier, but there's, there's so many, um, too many churches and church leaders today who don't really want to think about God's wrath or think about it very much. We don't want to discuss it. And if, if we do, it's like, let's just kind of quickly and then pass over it and the, like, just move on. But that's, we really shouldn't do that. Uh, the love of God is what, you know, we should talk about. We, the, the grace of God, we, should, we shouldn't really think about God's wrath that much. And so here's, here's the problem with that, I think. You'll nev- like I said earlier, you'll never know the heights of God's love if we don't know the depths of his wrath. Like we really, I don't think we will. Unless we see this tragedy and our wretched condition, we'll never see the depths of God's riches and his love towards us. So yes, we want to emphasize the love of God and the grace of God, but in order to actually do that, we do have to share on the wrath of God and our sinful condition. You have to, or else we'll always be swimming in the, the kiddie pool, right? Uh, let me, like, I want to put it another way. So how, how can you really care, how can we really care about the debt that Jesus has paid on our behalf if we don't really recognize the debt that much. Don't think it's that bad. You know, he who is forgiven much loves much, right? That's, the, that's what we see in scripture. The person who is forgiven much loves much. And so the consequence of lightening sin and wrath is we lighten the love and the grace of God. And so... What, in my mind, this is sort of called is like Christianity ultralight, right? Ultralight Christianity. This is what the church is drinking, okay? Worst beer ever, all right? Ultralight Christianity. It's a half presentation of Jesus, which is no presentation of Jesus really at all, okay? So we don't need ultralight Christianity. We need stout Christianity. That's what we need. We need stout Christianity. And... Uh, last thing I'll say here on the wrath of God is uh, the, the youth group and I, we, we read through the book of Matthew and, and just were talking about highlights of it um, some months ago. And one of the things we discovered in it was that there's 11 times when Jesus talks about the judgment or the wrath of God in that book. 11 times. That's a lot. 11 of the 13 times, it's, it, Jesus is talking about the judgment that, that's coming. And so if we want the real Jesus, we should not be afraid to dig into this, to talk about it, right? He he died for our sins, so why should we be afraid to kind of look at this judgment, at this this wrath, if if he paid for that judgment on himself, right? So we really need to to think about it and and to... uh, to really teach all the Bible. We want the whole Jesus. We want, we want all the scriptures, not just some of them. We don't pick and choose. Uh, we don't want to make God into our own image. We want the real God. And so the last thing I'm, I'm saying on it is that when we read his teaching, right, when we read the teaching of Jesus and when we understand God's wrath, what we need to see is that God's wrath and hell is not, it's not the absence of God and all that is good. Hell is a place where the presence of God's wrath is fully released forever. 
where suffering never ends and the worm is not satisfied and the fire is never quenched. This is a big deal. This is serious. This is why this reality, like these banners here, why do we care about pointing God to, pointing people to the truth of the gospel? Why do we care about making much of Jesus? Because he saved us from this awful, terrifying tragedy of mankind. He came to do that. That's a big deal. That's amazing. That's why the gospel, why God's love is so great, because our sin was so deep, right? It's big. This is, this is, that's what makes these banners awesome, is because of the, the grace of God and, so, um, and, and the reality of the wrath that we um, were under before. And so at the end of this tragedy, what do we see? Uh, we read in Ezekiel earlier we don't just see a valley of bones, we see a valley, <laughs> do you notice in the text it says very dry, <laughs> very dry bones. And so this valley of bones that leads to what? To everlasting destruction. That's what we come to at the end of this dungeon. And we see, we could sing with the hymn writers, listen to this, how sad our state by nature is, our sin how deep it stains. And Satan binds our captive minds, held fast in his slavish chains. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound to sin and nature's night, pale, lifeless, cold, breathless. But then we hear the whisper, son of man. Can these bones live? Son of man, can these bones live? And then you see it in the text. But God, but God, this great conjunction. Do you look at it? Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, this but God, this, this, these two words that are functioning as a sort of gospel, boom, here comes God on the scene. And what is this? This is Saul of Tarsus, right? You can see Saul of Tarsus breathing threats, killing Christians, approving of the stoning of Stephen. And there he is, his, his dead bones, his life dead in sin, which is full of sin, only sinful. And he's just, oh, I'm Saul, I am Saul, persecutor of the church. And he, there he is walking down the road to Damascus. And then what happens? A light from heaven shines down. What, what was going on? But God was happening to Saul of Tarsus. And he's, I am Saul. I am Saul. The light comes. And then what happens? Who are you, Lord? And I am Jesus. That's what's happening. But God is happening to Saul of Tarsus. He is experiencing the but God here. Saul was a child of wrath, persecuting the church, and then what happened? But God came on the scene and saved him, and, and then he rose up. He was blinded, and ironically, that's the first time he ever saw. And so I got I to gotta just emphasize that if, for all of us here, we've experienced this but God if you're in Christ. You had a but God that happened in your life. And so do you know a Saul of Tarsus, some adamant atheist against the gospel? And, oh, I'm never going to become a Christian. 
you know, I've got these, I've got these uh, rejections, but, but this and but that, but this and but that, oh, but God. <laughs> See, in the text there, but God, these two words, this amazing conjunction can take any man, any woman, any child, and it can take all of it and remove it. This but God, this reality of the text. So we find an, another verse in scripture that says, with man this is impossible. What? Salvation. Man can't save himself. With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. This salvation, we sang of this, this reality that God can come in and do something. Okay, and so this is we, we've been in the dungeon, and now this is the, the light coming into the dungeon, right? This is the rescue of God, these two words, but God. It's the rescue that comes, right? And so you might be on the other side of the coin. You might not be a, you know, you might not have been a Saul of Tarsus who was breathing threats of Christians, but you might have been on the other side. And you might have said this, things like this, but I've done this, but I've done that, but I was walking in this, and these, these are the things I've done. Your, your, your mind is filled with your sin. You just think about what you've done, my friend, but God has done this. See, you might be on that side of the coin, but I did all these things, but God has done this. Well, has done what? What has God done? Tell me what he's done. Tell me what's this news that you speak of. He has come into the dungeon of sin. Jesus himself comes down into the dungeon, and he says, long, yes, you're your imprisoned spirit laid fast bound to sin and nature's night, but, but my spirit has diffused a quickening ray. He applied the death and the resurrection of Jesus, but God has come in, and you woke the dungeon. I love these, this line, this and can it be. You woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. And that's what Jesus tells us, right? He comes into our dungeons. He gives us this new birth, right? This, the word regeneration, it's like an earthquake, right? It's like an earthquake, and it's, you can picture just at Calvary when that great earthquake happened and the veil was torn, right? And, and then what happened? What happened to us? Our chains fell off. After God gave us that new birth, he said, follow me. We were born again. And then what happened? We believed. See, don't get that mixed up. You didn't believe when you were dead. How could you? You were born by God, and then you believed. You believed when Jesus said, follow me. He woke you up, right? And so that's why when we see that wrath and we see our sin, that's why when you look down in our text as we look at this road of rescue, what does it say? Does it say mercy? Does it say love? No, no. It says rich mercy. It says great love. Go ahead. Take a look. Look there. Um, right in verse 4. Rich mercy, great love. And the love of God is not so great. It's not so great just because Jesus loves us. That's true, yes. But I think in order to really sense the depth of God's love, right, we have to realize that God shows his love for us, right, in that what? Finish the verse. While we 
were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow, like the love of God is displayed in that while we hated God, he loved us. That's, that's when it starts to go deep. That's when the love starts to plunge into the depths. And I have this, this story I want to share that I think can really help illustrate this love in a pretty powerful way. Uh, I got a friend who, uh, he was adopting a boy, and um, the, uh, the workers he was working with said, oh, you don't know, want to adopt him. You don't want that child. He's, he's the bottom of the list. Like, he's been through seven homes, seven homes, and he's been sent back every time. And uh, my friend said, no, that's the one I want. I want that one. The one that's unlovable, the one that people keep sending back. And he took that child and he took him to his home. Sure enough, this child was in a rage all the time. He was throwing things, breaking things, yelling, screaming, and just, it was, it was awful. And so my friend sits down with him at one point and he tells him, I want to be your dad. So I want to be your dad. And the boy looks at him and starts crying. He says, no, you don't. I've been sent back seven times. No one wants, no one wants me. And he says, yes, I want to be your dad. And so his boy said, you, I'll, I'll hit you in the face. Then you won't want to be my dad. Literally says he's going to punch him in the face. And my, my friend Tom says, go ahead. I'm not going anywhere. And sure enough, he winds back and he hits him in the jaw. And he says, I hate you. And my friend Tom looks at him in the face and he says, I love you. And he, his son broke down and started crying. And today, that little, that little boy is a Christian. And he's still in that family and he's still loved. Friends, that's what God did for us. We hated him. And he decided of his own accord. And he said, I love you. What did Jesus say on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's love. That's amazing grace. That's powerful. That's who we need to be in this world. Have you ever been loved by someone who you hated? Have you ever loved someone who hated you? That's what we need to do. Who do you need to forgive? Who do I need to forgive? Friends, this is love. That's the love of God. That's the rescue of God. When Jesus was on that cross, and, and here we come to it, the final thought, so stay with me here. And it's this, why we can know all this is true, why we can know that this love is real, is because as sure as the sun rises every single day, the Son of God rose on that third day. And whoever believes in Jesus, this Jesus who came, who lived that life fully alive to obedience in our place, if you believe in this Jesus, it is finished. Your sin is completely atoned for, and God is not going anywhere. He's not going to leave you. He never leaves those whom he justifies. He is going to bring you home through and through. This is the deep love of God. And so, that's the question. Have you, have you believed? And if you have, if you have experienced that but God, 
there, that's not the only but God you'll ever experience in your life, all right? There's uh, whatever you're going through, whatever trial or tragedy you're going through, God is faithful. And so wait for the next but God and the one after that. The, I was going through this. This was happening to me. And you can recall it if you think about the past. But God did this. But God did that in my life. But God did this. The but gods will continue as you walk with God because he will walk with you. And so I leave you with two words. Two words to marinate in. Two words to stuff yourself with. Two words that are not just breadcrumbs for beggars, but the beginning of a feast. But God. Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for loving us while we hated you. For giving us this reality to be so thankful for in the midst of a very hard season of life where our church is suffering in a number of ways and the tragedies that we can all face as we walk through this broken wilderness. Uh, Lord, thank you for this but God that we can always stand on this Thanksgiving and every Thanksgiving and help us to uh, take this reality into every day where we remember and sing, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood. Lord, help us to, to sing and treasure this amazing grace that you've brought us. And to sing of it even as we leave here and as we um, move into this last song. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio recording produced by Truth Point Church. We encourage you to distribute this to as many people as you'd like, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information about our ministry or to subscribe to our podcast, please visit our website at www.truthpoint.org.